Hello, my name's Will, and this is my friend, Solly. You gonna say hello, Sol? Give him a bark? No? Oh well, never mind. Sadly, Solly is not my dog. His humans are very good friends of mine, so I get to hang out with Sol and go on plenty of walks with him, and uh, we have fun together, don't we? Yeah, we do. And what I've noticed with Solly, and to us, it's not just Solly, it's all dogs, actually, they love chasing squirrels. You know, as soon as Solly sees a squirrel, he is after it. You know, he will chase it. It's just what he does. It's in his DNA. It's in his nature. And then when a squirrel realises that, that Solly, or any dog for that matter, is chasing them, they will go to their nearest tree, won't they? They will see their nearest tree and dart to it and get up that tree as high as they can possibly go. It's just what they do. It's in their nature as well. But the thing is, and it's quite funny actually, is that when Solly, you know, Solly chases the squirrel and he'll get to the base of the tree that the squirrel's gone up and then he'll suddenly like, look round. Where's the squirrel gone? It was here a moment ago and now it's disappeared. It's as if the squirrel has gone into thin air and he can't seem to comprehend that what he needs to do is look up and look up the tree and realise, oh, the squirrel's up there. You can't seem to comprehend it for some reason. Bear with me for a moment as I just put Solly down. See, I don't know about you, but I can actually relate to Solly in this instance. I can feel a bit like him when I've chased after something, searched after something, striving towards something, and then it just seemingly disappears. It, it vanishes, it, it goes into thin air. And I can feel lost and empty inside. And have you felt that too? Have you felt like that? And you've been chasing after something and it just suddenly goes? I mean, to some extent, we've all experienced that, haven't we, over this past year? You know, when coronavirus kicked in just over a year ago now. Wow. Everything changed, didn't it? Dreams gone. Aspirations disappeared. I can imagine if you were searching for something back in early 2020, well, you're probably searching for something very different now, aren't you? The world just changed and we can feel a bit like Solly. Lost and empty inside. Unfulfilled without a purpose. See, and it's not just me and you, actually. You know, we, we read a story in the Bible of three women who also felt a bit like that as well. If for them it wasn't coronavirus, for them it was because... Jesus had died. They'd been following Jesus for possibly two or three years, you know, devoted their whole life to, to being with him. You know, they believed that Jesus was the saviour of the world. We don't know the ins and outs entirely, but we could assume that maybe these women had left families to follow Jesus, maybe left homes and jobs to follow him. They were that devoted to him that they wanted to be with him. They loved him. They thought he was the saviour of the world. And then one day he was killed and it was a bit sudden. It was a bit out of the blue. You see, five days before he was killed, Jesus entered into Jerusalem as like king. Everyone thought the world of him. And then just five short days later, the city despised him, wanted him to be crucified. And there he was dying on the cross. You can just picture the women, the emotions they must have been feeling, the grief, the emptiness, watching their saviour, the man they loved, die, hanging on a cross, watching him breathe his final breath, watching the soldiers 
take his body down off the cross and then watching his body get put into a grave with a massive stone rolled in front of it. Yeah, let's just say that stone was a little bit bigger than the video you saw of that table. <laughs> the stone would have been very, very big. It would have required a fair few people to move it over in front of the grave. Just imagine the emotions they must have felt, the emptiness, the grief. However, unlike Solly, these women did look up. They did actually physically look up. I wonder if that's, I wonder if we look up as well. Do we look up like these women? Let's read the story in the Bible. If you're familiar with the Bible, then I'm reading from Mark chapter 16. But if you're not familiar with it, don't worry. Uh, I'll be reading it aloud right now. So it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. As I was saying, these women were desperately sad. The man they'd put their hope in had been killed. Can you just imagine them just walking along towards the grave, just heads down, kicking the stones in front of them, talking to each other, who's going to move the stone away? You imagine the grief and the emptiness they must have been feeling as they're going to anoint his body. You know, anointing of the body was something they just did in that culture, using oils and perfumes to preserve the body. Just imagine the emptiness and grief they must have felt. But they physically looked up and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now that must have shocked them. <laughs> that must have surprised them. They, they, they clearly weren't expecting for the stone to be moved away, but it already was. So they must have been thinking, oh, something suspicious is going on here. And as they entered into the grave, they're expecting to see a dead body. No, 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 that's not what they saw. They saw an angel. An angel declaring that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he was alive. What a shock. What a surprise. You see, these women, they physically looked up. They literally lifted their heads to look up and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now, today I'm asking you to join me in kind of metaphorically looking up. Spiritually, look up to Jesus. Come and do that today with me. Now, you might ask me the question and say, Will, how does this Bible story from thousands of years ago relate to me and you today? Well, as I said earlier, all of us humans, we chase after things, don't we? We all strive after different things. We all have different aspirations. You know, these women, they were chasing after Jesus. They were running after him. We all have something inside us that causes us to worship something to strive after something. All of us were made in such a way that we all naturally look to something. These women were looking to 
Jesus. They were looking up and looking to God. Now, all of us, like I was saying, me and you, we, we chase after things, don't we? We worship different things. Now, if we're not worshipping God, then in my analogy with the squirrel, we're kind of looking at ground level, chasing after things at ground level. So some of us look up to God and others of us look at ground level, chasing after things. I've done both of those things. I've chased after God, looking up, but I've also chased after things at ground level. You see, I was brought up in a Christian family, um, brought up to read my Bible, to pray, to believe in Jesus, basically, and to be a Christian. I was brought up in that way, brought up to look up in some sense. But then when I was 17, I actually said to my parents, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't want to look up to God. I wanted to chase after the things at ground level. Ultimately, I wanted to chase after things which I believed would make me happy. I thought Jesus isn't making me happy, so I'm going to chase after the things at ground level because they will make me happy. So the main thing which I chased after was a relationship. I wanted a girlfriend. I thought if I get into a, if I get a girlfriend, that will really make me happy. That will fulfill me and give me a purpose. So pretty soon after I stopped being a Christian, I got into a relationship. I had a girlfriend for a bit. And like most relationships do, it came to an end after about a year and a half. And ultimately I felt empty. I wasn't searching for anything anymore. You see, I had kind of been searching after God and chasing after God and then replaced it with this relationship at ground level. And then when that relationship had gone and disappeared into thin air, what am I going to chase after now? What am I going to run after? So I had things on my list of things which I could go for, chase after and strive for. One of the things on my list was to do really well at uni. I was at university at the time, I was uh, just turned 19, and I thought, if I do really, really well at uni, now that will satisfy, that will give me a purpose and fulfil me. So I chased after university for a bit, and that didn't satisfy. You know, when I got a good grade, I'd feel momentarily quite happy, or I got a good grade, but it wouldn't truly satisfy. So I tried something else. I thought, you know what, if I hit the gym, get really muscly, I would describe it as getting hench. I thought if I get hench, that will fulfill me. It'll make me feel good because I've got lots of muscles, but I'd also look good and people would like looking at me. And so I started hitting the gym and chasing after that, but that didn't satisfy either. So then I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I started chasing after just getting drunk on lots of nights out, try to go out as much as I can, drink lots of alcohol and try and kiss a few girls whilst I was out too. But every single morning after, I just feel rubbish. Didn't satisfy, I was empty. See, what do you live for? What are you chasing after? Are you, were you like me? Are you chasing after a relationship? Are you chasing after a relationship that you're already in to like maintain that relationship? Or are you chasing after a relationship that you're not currently in? Maybe it's your career. Are you chasing after a career or a particular job, a particular role? Believing that if I get that job, that would satisfy me. That would make me whole if I had that job. Maybe you're chasing after money. 
you'll have a nice big bank account. If I've got a big bank account, well, that would satisfy me. I could buy a nice car, I could buy nice clothes. Cool. My life would be great if I was rich. Are you chasing after money? Maybe you're chasing after being the best mum, or being the best dad, being the best parent, and I would get acceptance from the rest of society if everyone thought that I was the best parent. Are you chasing after that? Maybe you're chasing after the best home. Maybe you're chasing after the best experience. I want to travel around the world and experience everything so that I can just drop it in conversation and be like, oh yes, I've been there. I don't know, somewhere in the world. Just drop it in conversation. People will, Leo, accept me because I've traveled around the world. What are you living for? What are you chasing after? See, the truth is, friends, is that if we're searching after something which is at ground level and we're not chasing after God, the Bible calls it sin. The posh word is idolatry. We are idolizing things which are not God. We're chasing after things which we shouldn't be chasing after at all, really. You know, these things aren't in and of themselves bad, but they should not be replacing God. We should not be devoted to running after those things. We should be looking up devoted after God. We believe the things that we chase after will, you know, satisfy us, don't we? We believe that they will not let us down. They'll give us an identity. We believe that as a result of these things, we will gain acceptance from people. And that's why we chase after them. You see, like I said to you, I've chased after things. I've sinned. I've messed up. Friends, if you're chasing after something which isn't God, you're sinning. You're messing up. And this issue isn't just about me either, and it's not just about you, actually. In fact, the whole of humankind have done this. We've all sinned. We've all chased after something which isn't Jesus. We've all chased after something which isn't God himself. We've all been chasing things at ground level. We've all sinned. You might think, but these women in our Bible story, they were looking up to God and they were chasing after God, but... Hasn't Jesus let them down? They put their hope in Jesus and now he's dead. He's let them down, hasn't he? So why would I chase after God if he's going to let me down like he let those women down? Well, hold on. If you're thinking that, that I'm just going to gently say that I don't think you've totally understood it. The women hadn't totally understood it at this point either. You see, Jesus had to die. He had to die. In fact, leading up to his death, just a few days before, I think, he said, I'm going to die and three days later come back to life. Jesus said he would die. See, he had to die. And the reason Jesus had to die was because our sin, my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire world of chasing things which aren't God, that sin has a consequence. So what is the consequence of sin? See, when you've done something wrong, there's usually a punishment due, isn't there? Well, the punishment due for sinning is death. God says very early on in the Bible, he says right at the start, the penalty for sin is death. So I deserve to die because I've chased after something which isn't God. So I deserve death. I'm afraid to say it, that you, if you're not chasing after God, if you've ever in your life not chased after God, then you deserve death. 
Every single human in the whole of history deserves to die. So we're in a big problem. There's a massive predicament that we're facing here because all of us deserve to die and there's nothing that we can do about it. We are in an extremely bad situation. But you see, that's where Jesus comes into it. Now, some of my friends have said to me before, well, why do you call Good Friday Good Friday? See, if you love Jesus and you're following after him, then surely the day that you remember when he's dead isn't a good day. It's not Good Friday, is it? But it is good. And let me tell you why. The reason why it's good is because the only man in the whole of human history who hasn't sinned was Jesus. He's the only man ever to not have sinned. Jesus is the only man for his entire life been devoted to God and looked up to him. He never once looked down at ground level and chased after things of this world. He was totally committed to running after God and chasing after him. So therefore, Jesus didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve the punishment that we deserve. Jesus should never have died. However, he did. And when he did die, as he was hanging on the cross, God poured out all the punishment that should have been upon me and all the punishment that should have been upon you and all the punishment that should have been upon all of humankind upon Jesus. So Jesus is hanging on the cross, taking on all our sin, bearing all of the bad stuff we've done, bearing all the sin upon his shoulders and dying in our place, taking the punishment that we deserved. Jesus was the perfect substitute. He was the living sacrifice for me and the living sacrifice for you and the living sacrifice for the whole of humankind. The perfect substitute. So you see, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, despite him being completely pure, he takes on all of our sin. So he dies bearing our sin. And if we accept him, if we choose him, it means it's kind of the, the swap of the century in some senses, because it means that we are taking on his purity, his beauty, his cleanliness. We become white as snow because he has washed our sin away. We become clean, the perfect substitute. See, you watched the video before uh, about the reasons why the grave was empty. Well, another reason why that some people have suggested is that Jesus didn't fully die on the cross. Well, I'm just going to kind of say that that's not really possible either. And the reason why that is, is because the Romans who were charged for executing Jesus were professional executioners. The Romans knew how to kill people. It was in their job description. And in fact, if they hadn't killed Jesus totally, the Romans who had the job of killing Jesus would have had to come to some very hard and difficult consequences as a result of not doing their job properly. As you can imagine back then, the consequences would have been pretty deadly for not killing someone when they should have been dead. So Jesus definitely died. In fact, we read in the Bible as well that to check if he was dead, they put a spear in his side, probably around at this point in his body. And when they speared him in his side, blood and water gushed out. And we now know that biologically that means Jesus was dead. If blood and water is gushing out of your side, it means you're dead. So Jesus definitely fully died. And as he was dying upon the cross, 
He defeated sin. He cried out, it is finished because he's defeated sin, bearing all of our iniquities. But that wasn't the end of it. You see, it's no good having a dead saviour, is it? Three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead. He was resurrected. He was alive. You watched the video before, didn't you? All these different reasons of why the grave could possibly have been empty, because we know we know historical fact, the grave was empty three days later. But why was the grave empty? Was it because the Romans had taken the body? Was it because the women had taken the body? Was it a mass hallucination all over the world? Or was it the disciples had taken the body? Was it the Pharisees had taken the body? No, all of those things do not stand to reason. It is not logical to think that the body had been stolen by one of those suspects or that everyone experienced a mass hallucination. So we're left with no other choice. He must have risen from the dead. Jesus must have come back to life. God himself must have brought Jesus back to life because he was the perfect substitute. So Jesus came back to life. And if he came back to life then, it means he's fully alive now. He is alive right now, friends. Jesus is risen. He is alive. That's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. That's the reason why Good Friday is pretty good. In fact, I think Good Friday is a bit of an understatement. I call a lot of things good. I call a pizza good. But I tell you now, Good Friday is awesome, wonderful, magnificent, fabulous Friday. Wonderful. And Easter Sunday, poor. I can't give you many adjectives to describe it, to be honest. It's a wonderful day because it means that the one who bore all our sin, the one who died in our place, had risen from the dead and is alive and is alive to this day. And when we know the risen Jesus, when we know his that he is alive, it means that we can experience him come and be with us. He sends his Holy Spirit to come and be with us. And when I say be with us, I don't mean like be next to us. All right, pal. All right, Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us. He comes and bees with us and we get to know the fullness of God. We get to know God being inside us and with us. It's wonderful. It's magnificent. Jesus said, in the Bible, Jesus said, I give life in all its fullness. We experience life in all its fullness. Friends, when we're chasing after things at ground level, they don't truly satisfy. We believe they will. But when we look up to God and we chase after God, only him truly satisfies. It's only him who gives us life in all his fullness. Only God is able to make sense of our life. Only God is big enough to, for us to build our lives upon. We gain life in all its fullness. And that's not just now in this earthly lab, that's for eternity. We gain life in all its fullness even after we're dead. You see, if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, it means that we will be with him forever in heaven. And the Bible describes heaven as being the perfect place. No sin, no sickness, no disease, no death. Purity, being with Jesus. And it's not just a day and it's not just a week. It's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years we would get to be in heaven. And sadly, the alternative to heaven is hell. Heaven's a real place and hell is a real place. And hell is kind of the opposite of heaven. In where hell is, the Bible says that there's gnashing of the teeth and whipping, uh, whipping, weeping, sorry, and a big lake of fire. 
and you'd be there for eternity too. You see, looking up to Jesus is so much better than looking at things at ground level. I've experienced it, guys. After two and a half years of chasing after things at ground level, God gloriously brought me back to him and lifted my head to see Jesus. And I can't describe it any more than just, it's so much better. So I implore you, know Jesus, lift your head to him. Don't chase the things at ground level, lift your head and chase him. It changes your life. It's changed my life. So how does accepting Jesus change your life? Well, Jesus has given his life for me and for you. So if we're accepting him as our Lord and Saviour, it means we give our lives back to him. We sacrifice our lives to him. You know, he loved us so much that all we can do is love him in return. And all we can do is give him our entire lives. It's the best thing we can do, actually. It's in that sacrifice that we experience life in all its fullness. And when we do that, it doesn't mean that our life is perfect forever on this earth. No, no, no. Actually, the Bible's clear that when you become a Christian, your life doesn't naturally become really, really easy. You know, life can still be very difficult and very hard. So don't become a Christian if all your aim is to make your earthly life easy, because that's not what happens. We still face the hardships that this life brings. We still face horrible illnesses and sickness. We can experience illness ourselves, but experience it in our families. We can experience breakdown of relationships still. Things like losing your job can still happen. However, Doing those things with God is so much better. The Bible describes God as the God of all comfort. So when we've accepted Jesus and when we are lifting our heads to him and looking to him and having his Holy Spirit inside us, we get the peace of God in us so that when we face these difficult hardships and difficult things, we're not facing them by ourselves anymore. We're facing them with the God of everything in us. And he gives us peace and it helps us, friends, I know what it's like to walk through difficult things and walking them through with God is so much better than anything else. Guys, the women in our Bible story, Bible story, they looked up. And although they didn't fully understand it at the time, looking up was the best thing they ever did. See, Sully probably needs to stop looking around. When he gets to the base of the tree, he needs to stop looking around. He needs to look somewhere new. He needs to look up. So I'm gonna ask you this question. Is it time to look somewhere new? Is it time for you to stop looking at ground level things and to look up to Jesus and to follow him? The famous actor Jim Carrey, you might have known him from films like Bruce Almighty, maybe The Truman Show, The Grinch. He's a quite a famous actor. He said this, he said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. Guys, ground level stuff isn't the answer. Only God is the answer. 
It's only him that we find our fulfillment and purpose in life. And it's only him who can deal with our sin. It's only him who can help us in our massive predicament. It's only Jesus. There's a part of the Bible um, called Colossians chapter three, and a guy called Eugene Peterson has paraphrased this part of the Bible to sound like this. I'm gonna read it out to you. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along with eyes to the ground, absorbed of the things right in front of us, but look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ, because that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Friends, it's decision time, okay? Now is the crunch time. You need to make a decision. Why was the grave empty? Why was it empty? There's no other logical reason for the grave being empty other than that Jesus had resurrected. And that has big consequences. So are you serious about living this new resurrection life? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want to know him as your Lord and Saviour? Do you want to have his Holy Spirit inside you and to walk with you through all our lives, the good times and the bad times? Do you want to know that your eternity is in heaven? If you do, then I'm going to ask you to join with me in praying this prayer. I'm going to say a line and then verbally repeat that line after me, okay? Father God, I confess that I have lived for things that aren't you. I confess that I have sinned and deserve the punishment of death. Thank you that out of your love, you sent your son, Jesus, to take the punishment that I deserved. Jesus, I thank you that you died in my place. Lord Jesus, I believe that three days after you died, you rose from the grave. I believe you are alive and I make you my Lord and Saviour. I want to give my life to follow you. Please send your Holy Spirit to come upon me right now. I love you and I look forward to walking with you every day for the rest of my life. Amen.